0: let us pray together spirit of living God fall fresh now on this preacher and on these your servants who have gathered around tv and computer screens and gathered in this worship space As a sign that we have dedicated our lives to you in our brother Jesus name we pray amen Today, we also start our stewardship drive. This is the month where we ask you to commit your tithe offering to the church that the finance committee can build their budget for 2023. They have worked hard this year to honor your gifts and to put them together and use them in the best ways possible. Your finance committee is a group of dedicated men and women. But we need you, if we're gonna continue this ministry that God has placed us in charge of, we need you to step up and put your pledge so they can build their budget. This month, we're also asking, if you can, to read the book written by Adam Hamilton called Enough. It is a wonderful, wonderful little read. It's not that heavy at all, but he has some practical suggestions as to what we can do as Christians to further the ministry of Jesus Christ. I do believe there will be a study, a group study that will start taking place sometime this week or next week on that book. Friends, I was raised on the idea And for a long time, it was foreign to me. I had some weird parents. It was the idea that my mother always, always said to us, if you want to get, you got to give. And that was foreign to me because if I would ask most people, would they subscribe to that? Most people would uh, subscribe to the old adage, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. How could we possibly get by giving away? If we already have just enough, most of us, in our paycheck to care for our bills why in the world would we trust a formula that says to us give up a portion in order to get more we would rather I don't know about you have that bird in the hand God's formula for reward or blessings began with actions on our God does not say, I will bless you so that you can bless me. That's not how God works. Instead, God says, Honor me with your gifts and watch your life be blessed by the changes that happen in your world and the world around you. There's a popular scripture that a lot of preachers quote. Uh, when they start talking about giving and God's plan, is found in Malachi chapter number three, verse 10. It says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and thus put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open up the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you an overflowing blessing. The whole verse, though, can be stripped down to just a few words. When we give God, God gives us. The idea of reinvesting our blessing is not new. Economists have said for years, and and they stand on this principle as the foundation for success of any business, They agree that it is a sound practice for any business to funnel a certain percentage of the profit back to the business to ensure the growth of the business. And what percentage do economies suggest? You guessed it, 10%. The Bible is clear. God is calling for us to reinvest our blessings in God's ministry to God's world. But most of us, like me, are afraid to trust God. Instead, uh, I'm waiting for an outpouring of a massive blessing before I do anything to improve on my giving to God's ministry. Uh, 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 God... Don't you want me to win the lottery? Because you know the sinners have had that money long enough if you you just let me win. Calvary and I will do things to change normal forever. I'll give my 10% plus a tip on the side. Then most spend their lifetime struggling to make it from paycheck. A paycheck and it's getting harder and harder to make that paycheck stretch from one week to the other, sacrificing necessity after necessity, never seeming to have enough. I hear them saying, I try to tithe, but something always comes up. It really does. And I hear First Timothy 6 saying, some people eager for money have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with grief. There's a reason for this. America is based on who has the most stuff. We are a capitalistic economy. And there are people who make a healthy living after getting you and I to spend our money on things we think we have to have. Hamilton in his book says that has made the american dream has become the american nightmare because of credit card debt. He said he tells several years ago the Royal Bank of Scotland sent an offer for a gold mastercard to Monty Slater. The card came with a $20,000 credit limit. Quite impressive for his first credit card, wouldn't you say? Particular when you consider that Monty is a Shih Tzu dog. (laughs) Raymond, his owner, thought about using the card for Monty's favorite treats, but then reconsidered recognizing that his pup was not in a position to pay the balance when it came due. And that might negatively affect Monty's credit score may be a funny story, but it really iterates the sobering truth. We live in a world that encourages us to live beyond our means. We are enticed to have it now and to pay for it later as opposed to saying, I'm going to be a good steward of what God has given to me. Here's what God's ministry to the world has to endure by most Christians around the world. If I had some extra money, I'd give it to God, but I just don't have enough to support myself and my family. If I had some extra time, I would give it to God, but every minute is taken up by my job, my family, the things that I'm committed to, all of my responsibilities. I just don't have time to volunteer for God's ministry. If I had a talent, I'd be happy to give it. I'd sing, I'd do whatever I had to. I'd give it to God but I don't have a great singing voice. I have no special skills that the church could use. I don't have any leadership experience. What if for a moment, though, God would lay aside God's sovereign plan and give every one of us extra money, more time, a more glorious talent that the world would recognize just by looking at you? How long would God have to wait to get a return on God's investment? We serve a patient God, but I believe that even God has a limit to God's patience. And in the end, everything that God has given us would be taken up by more and more and more and more of what the world sees as important and then we'll be right back to where we started. If I only had some of the money back that God gave me, I'd give it to the church. If only I had some time, I I would give it to God. If only, if only, if only, if only. You know, sermons on giving are about as popular as a doctor's visit, and I don't really know any preachers that really like it. You know how it is when you, when you go to the doctor for your annual checkup, they begin to poke and prod and press in different places all the while asking, "Does this hurt?" <laughs> "How about this? Does that hurt?" If you cry out in pain, one or two things has happened. Either the doctor has pushed too hard without the right sensitivity or more likely, there's something wrong. And the doctor will say, "We better do some more tests it's not supposed to hurt fair it's the same way when pastors preach about financial responsibility some people will criticize the message and the messenger either the pastor has pushed too hard or there's something wrong in either case here's what I say we are in need of the great physician because It's not supposed to hurt there. Generosity is as much a characteristic of who we are in Christ as love, faithful, worship, unselfish service, and humility. In other words, giving is a byproduct of our faith. You know what a byproduct is, don't you? It is something of value that just naturally emanates or comes from as a result of making something else. When you refine petroleum, you get kerosene and gasoline. When you compress coal for thousands of years, you get diamonds. When Christ freely saves us, we give freely. There was a man named Thomas Hearn who on his journey to the mouth of the Coppermine River wrote in his journal that a few days after they started on their expedition, a party of native people stole most of their supplies. And this was his comment on his misfortune in his journal. The weight of our baggage being so much lightened the rest of the journey was much more swift and pleasant, and we arrived at the river four days ahead of schedule. Hearn didn't know it, but he was on to something very, very important to us. The loss of a few sides of bacon and a couple of bags of flour actually helped him reach his goal sooner. If he had tried to drag all of that weight with him, Hearn might have ended up stuck in a cabin somewhere, spending his last days eking out an existence and living on what was left of his supplies. We all want to do more than just eke out an existence. We want to do more than just get by. We want our burdens to be lighter and our futures to be brighter. God says, invest some of those resources I have given you in my work. And I promise you that rather than living like you're on your last stand, I will move you forward toward the goal that was laid for you before the foundation of the world. Now, let's be real. It all boils down to trust. Do we trust God at God's word? Do we believe God will do what God says he will do? If we do, then we'll give and we'll get a greater church and a greater ministry throughout Bloomington Normal and around the world. Folk will want to join this place because they will see how sold out we are for Jesus. I know I have at least a, a few people in here today who can say amen to God's giving plan. You gave your tithe, and the church asked for an offering for some mission, a hurricane, or a storm somewhere, and you gave more and found out you were blessed because of it. You decided to trust God and increase your weekly offering, and you've been blessed by it. You decided to put God at the top of your household budget, and you've been blessed by doing so. You give because we've already got. We've got an eternal relationship with God through the salvific mission of Jesus Christ to the world. Christ snatched us from a path of destruction, gave us a new leaf on life, put us in the driver's seat and said, you are my father's children. Forever we give because giving is a byproduct of our salvation the decision to tithe is a faith decision and one that we have to make by ourselves God does not ask us for dues that's for the club God does not ask us for registration free fee that goes for your internet provider God does not ask us for installment plans that goes for your car payment or insurance God, does, God asks for a tie, 10% of whatever blessings that God has given you, time, 10% of it, a talent, 10% of your presence to be sitting with somebody who's watching us this morning on the live stream and lonely because they haven't had a visitor in days and even weeks. 10% of whatever you have to further the ministry of God. Some already put their prin- this principle of giving to get in practice on a weekly basis, but not in church. The practice is with the lottery system. It's the same. It's the same principle, but the odds are terrible. <laughs> you invest and you may win. God's investment guarantees that you've already won. Some people give more to their club weekly and monthly than they give to God's mission to the world. Some people spend more on a daily cafe latte than they give to God's mission to the world. Some people spend more on their hair and their nails than they give to God's mission to the world. Some people dress well, drive well, eat well, smell well, bring and then bring what they have left after they pay their bills to God. I know that's not you. You're just uh, like me, living on a tight budget and got lots of kids who hang on longer than they should and you try to (laughs) swat them with them. They keep hanging on. Like me, as soon as things get a little easier, I'm planning to tie. Proverbs 11 says, teach us that it's possible to give away and become richer. And it's also possible to hold on too tightly and lose everything. I want to be on the winning team that God has already laid up for me. I want God to bless me for my compassion and for my faithfulness, don't you? I want God to open up the windows of heaven and pour me out blessings too great for my arms and too great for my heart to endure. If we give according to God's prescription of giving, God guarantees us that we will not lose anything we will get if you're saying, ouch. The doctor who wrote the book of Luke wants to send you for a test. He already knows the test results before he writes the prescription because Luke trusts the great physician. The test results are in Luke 6. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Will you give the Lord your best gift? Will you trust God enough to invest in God and know that you you will have more than enough? Will you lay up your treasures where moss and dust and we will fight over them after you're gone? Will you give Christ a portion of what he's already given to you and give it to God's mission to the world? I hear the windows already opening, don't you? And people are coming to know Jesus through your gifts and your presence all over the world. I feel a cool breeze coming from heaven. Don't you? Friends, if we give God our best gift, not because we want to expecting big blessings on the other side, but we give God our best gift because God has already given us God's best gift in Jesus Christ let us pray God <sighs> where we began is where you meet us you meet us in prayer you meet us in our daily lives you meet us on paths that sometimes we think that are too hard for us to walk and you meet us there and you stretch out your loving arm to us and you say I'm walking this path beside you and you don't ever have to worry about stumbling and falling we are on a journey together with you God and we thank you that we have a Holy Spirit that reminds us day by day that you keep us wrapped so tight in your arms that not even, not even greed can snatch us away from your loving space. And then you set before us a table, a table where all families gather, a table where family members sit down and reminisce on how good it is to be in a loving place. Family members who sit at table and recognize how blessed we are for some don't have this meal to partake in. Family members who sit down and they talk about the struggles that they've had. They talk about the losses that they've had in their family and then they raise a heart and raise a glass to you because you have sustained them throughout their tragedies. Oh God, that's why you instituted this dinner on your last days with your disciples. That's why it was so important for you to sit all of them down, including Judas, and have them gather around a table that represented all of their hopes, all of their dreams, and even all of their failures. All of their disappointments were represented at that table. But at their table, at that table, all that they needed to endure, all that they needed to be overcomers, all that they needed to survive in a world that you sent them out to change was represented at the table. You said to them, this is my body which was broken for you and for many every time you sit at this table and you sit in discouragement and you sit in loneliness and you sit in space where you're wondering if you're going to make it remember my body was broken for you and no power on earth will be able to defeat you then you say listen, listen We've eaten our field. And now let's raise a glass to God. Because in this glass, in this glass is a representation of my blood that was poured out and shed for you, that covers you. From everything that evil tries to use against you, that covers you, from everything that tries to discourage you. Remember, I sent you on a difficult mission, but I didn't send you alone. I sent you with the power of this family that's gathered at this table. I sent you with the power of my Holy Spirit that takes you and guides you to places that you never thought you'd be able to go this is my body and blood given for you brothers and sisters this is a table that was prepared by human volunteers but it was reconciled before the foundation of the world for this represents God's table for you and to participate in this holy meal All you have to do is believe. Believe. So if you believe, I invite you to come forward and let us partake in God's table that's been set for you. Why don't you come?